Live is back, and this is episode number 10. We have reached double digits, finally, as this is, of course, episode number 10, The Milestone. And today is March, no, that is April, I apologize, April 22nd, 2008, and we are ready to rock and roll. We have a massive, massive show for you today. We've got the Minnesota Wild Wrap Up for the season and the Minnesota Timberwolves season wrap up as uh yeah both of them are done yeah the wild are already done um as before the start of episode nine the series hadn't even started yeah it's already over the wild lose four games to two to the Colorado Avalanche major major disappointment I'm not a happy camper about that one but that's life ultimately we are on the sportstuff.com and on iTunes and on MediaFly, Paladino Live is in three places, but most of all, the sportstuff.com is our main home, and we do have a call-in line here on the sportstuff.com. It is a voicemail. Simply call 916-912-4263. That's 916-912-4263. Simply Say which show you're addressing. Say, hi, I'm calling for Paladino Live or Running with the Bulls or Run and Gun Phoenix Suns or whatever. You get the idea. Chiefs End Zone Show, which rocks. So um, just call in and opine. Give your opinion. Make a complaint. Make a compliment. Talk trash. Whatever you like. That's what we're all about here on the sportstuff.com. We also have a message boards. It is at the sportspodcasters.com forward slash boards. The sports podcasters.com forward slash boards also it's up on the upper right hand corner simply click tss boards and sign up it is 100 percent free and 100 percent fun you'll have a screen name you'll be one of us baby and maybe maybe if you like you could be a podcaster who knows we have so many shows now on this station on this website that is and now we have NBA East to West, which is also hosted by Chris Porter, who started out with NHL East to West. as uh, He does a really good job. NBA East to West and NHL East to West appear to be pretty popular, and uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to. We have so many new shows on the site. Now, there were two new shows since I started, and guess what the other one is? It is Video Game Flashback, and it is hosted by yours truly. It is a video podcast, though, and it is available on iTunes. Um, I believe there's there's one video up here on the site. Uh, Dylan's having a little trouble sometimes with putting the videos on the site because it uh, makes the site go haywire, apparently. So that's kind of a bummer, but that's how it goes. Um, yeah, video game flashback, my first official subsidiary of Paladino Live. I figured it would be Purple Mafia, but that's still on the way. It'll be an exclusive Minnesota Vikings show. And um, eventually it'll be up here for you. I assume, I assume it'll be up around, oh, May or so, because right now my schedule is a little bit tight with lawn cleanups. Eventually uh, we'll be just mowing lawns instead of lawn cleanups as I work two jobs. So that's just the way that's going to go right now. So it's a shame I couldn't overall cover the draft like with a big show with Purple Mafia, but I'll cover it a little bit here on Paladino Live. It's, this is still the main show for me, and uh, it's my top priority over any other show I do. So here we are on Paladino Live. Uh, first of all, before I get into some 
Hockey and Wolves talk, season wrap-ups. We're going to talk a little Vikings real quick as they do have a draft coming up this Saturday, but but there's a chance we won't have the 17th overall pick. Uh, the reason for that is because there have been talks with Jared Allen. Jared Allen of the Kansas City Chiefs and Farzine, if you're listening, I apologize. I had nothing to do with it, I promise, <laughs> even though I'd love to have Jared Allen here. Uh, yeah, he's on his way out, and there are two teams that are courting him. They are the Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, they say the Vikings have the upper hand because we have a higher first-round pick than the Bucks, as well as we have more draft picks overall. The Minnesota Vikings have nine draft picks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have five draft picks, so go figure. The Bucks have the 20th overall pick, which isn't much lower, but it's just it's it's lower enough. Maybe Kansas City wants somebody that's going to be available. So we'll see. Jared Allen would make a good defense even better, especially because we would finally have a pass-rushing defensive end. That's something the Minnesota Vikings – have forgotten about since the Carl Eller days. No, I'm just kidding. Pretty much since the uh, late 80s, early 90s with Chris Dolman, who was a phenomenal player. I really miss him. Number 56, Chris Dolman was a super-duper star. He was one of the best uh, linemen I've ever seen. And uh, obviously he's no longer here. He's not been on the Vikings for a long time. He did finish his career with the Vikings, though, in 1999. Some Viking fans will remember that. He came back for one last year in the NFL, one last shot at uh, winning a Super Bowl, because we hope to re- rebound from the 98 uh, upset, despite our 15-1 record. But, yeah, that's just how it goes. That's Viking history. Now, should the Vikings keep the 17th pick, not make a move on Jared Allen, or lose out to uh, Tampa Bay, or God knows who else, as there's Probably some other teams out there somewhere trying to make a move, trying to sneak in. Uh, on Yahoo Sports, I guess it's Rivals.com, NFL Draft, the uh, the mock draft has us picking Limus Swede. Now, I've not seen his name on the Vikings at all. The names I had been hearing were Derek Harvey and Philip Merling, both defensive ends. Derek Harvey would have been my top choice. Uh, except they have him going 13th to the Carolina Panthers because he is a pass-rushing defensive end where Philip Merling is looked on as a run-stopping defensive end. So go figure. Uh, we have a lot of run-stoppers already here. We have pretty much our, everything from our <laughs> from our uh, Williams wall to our safeties, pretty much our, our uh, run-stoppers. So, um yeah, we have the top run defense in the NFL. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making great greater, but you need some pass rushes. That's really made the uh, def- the uh, cornerbacks and defensive backs that is look bad on this team for longer than they need to look bad. I mean, they're they're better than our pass rush has made us look. So, for me, my top two choices would be get Jared Allen if we get lucky, or land Derek Harvey. Um, Another name that's also been mentioned here more than once is uh, the quarterback Brian Brom. Now, this this mock draft has him going all the way down to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think he's going to pass the uh, – I don't think he would pass the uh, Baltimore Ravens, frankly. Uh, I don't know why the Ravens wouldn't take a quarterback. I would think he, they would, that would be their top priority with uh, um, – Steve McNair retiring, and they really have nothing else going on over there, honest to God, at quarterback. So uh, 
I really don't know what else to say there in that. Um, I would have no problem with the Minnesota Vikings picking Brian Brom. I think that'd be fun. They say he's not the most mobile guy, but he's he's a he's a good big game quarterback. And you know he's gonna. I would think he's gonna have a better NFL career than Tavares Jackson. Tavares Jackson is athletic and fun to watch, but that only goes so far. Can you win games? You know, can you win games? Can you can you not throw interceptions? You know, especially late in the game or just whatever in general. You know, turnovers are how teams lose games or win games. Takeaways or turnovers, whatever. You know, you gotta hang on to the football. And you gotta make plays, you gotta throw accurate passes. And Brian Brom, I like him. I like him a lot. Now this draft has the Dolphins doing the right thing and taking Matt Ryan. A lot of people believe that Jake Long is gonna be the number one overall pick, the offensive tackle to Miami. I understand why they do that because you got Ronnie Brown. You need you know, you gotta Ronnie Brown is probably their franchise player in Miami at this point. As a lot of their old guys have left. Um, on, on defense, their old defensive superstars have, have kind of come and gone over the years. Uh, yeah, I, I think they gotta go with Matt Ryan. Even though, you know, their all, their O-line is not good in Miami and they need a Jake Long there, but, you know, you have the number one overall pick and you got a quarterback who is pretty can't miss. You know, I gotta think he's a pretty can't miss guy. Go after, go after Matt Ryan. Go get him. And then, um, obviously, if Matt Ryan does not go to the uh, Dolphins, you got to think he's going to Atlanta. But, I don't know, this, these, these mock drafts are so confusing because they change all the time. I mean, they change constantly. Anything can happen. Draft days are just always dramatic and crazy. I personally see Darren McFadden going to the Oakland Raiders, and so do they. And that would be perfect for the Oakland Raiders because they have Javon Walker. They have Jamarcus Russell. You get a Darren McFadden, you got the trifecta, you got the running back, receiver, and quarterback, and you are ready to move forward from, you know, the doldrums of the National Football League, which Oakland has been in since their Super Bowl loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2002. But that is how it goes. The 2002 season, 2003 Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go. But now we are ready to segue to the Minnesota Wild season wrap-up. And we are back. We are back. It is time to talk about the Minnesota Wild. Now, as I said before, the Minnesota Wild lose in six games to the Colorado Avalanche instead of win in six games. I had them actually pulling this out in six. Go figure, but that's just how it goes. That's that's sports for you. That's hockey. And that's the Minnesota Wild. As this year, I mean, how many shows did I say that this team is not ready to compete, you know, big time? You know, I mean, they're, they're a playoff team, but they're not ready to go out and win a championship, you know, to go to the conference finals or whatever, Stanley Cup finals. They're just not that kind of team. Um, game one, the Wild lose three to two. So moving right along here, uh, the Wild take 30 shots on Jose Theodore, who was phenomenal. Only score two goals, and uh, the Wild only give up 22 shots. Yet Backstrom lets in three. So go figure. We lose in overtime in this game. Uh, Joe Sakic scoring the game winner. Miko Koivu and Todd Fedorik clearly the 
two players that stand out for me in this game. You know, Koivu scoring a goal, Fedora getting a goal. Um, those are the two guys that scored. Woohoo. You know, Koivu assisting on both of them. Petri Numelin filling in for um, Nick Schultz. Looked good in this game, but <laughs> the rest of the series, yeah. <laughs> we'll get onto that pretty quick. So, yeah, Wild blow it 3-2 to two in overtime in Game 1. Right on to Game 2. They take... They take game two in the uh, XL Energy Center, thankfully, and that got us a little pretty excited, like, all right, here we go, baby. Uh, Forsberg gets his first goal in the first period, followed by uh, Pavel Dimitra in the second, in the third period. It was one nothing for a long time. So early in the third period, though, Dimitra scores, assisted by Burns, and then Koivu gets his second goal, assisted by Pierre-Marc Bouchard. And then Hey Duke ties it up with a mere 40, 44 seconds left in the game. That was very, 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 very frustrating. Very Minnesota wildlike this year. But then the most, one of the most unlikely sources you can possibly imagine, Keith Carney, who scored one goal this season. And here's the thing: Keith Carney scored his one goal in the final game of the season this year. And yeah, Keith Carney scores only a minute 14 into overtime. So there we go. The Wild outshoot the Colorado Avalanche again. We put up 31 shots, and uh, the Colorado Avalanche put up 26. So that is a trend that you're going to notice in every game throughout this series. The Wild had more chances than Colorado. They had so many chances, it wasn't funny, but they couldn't bury it. Partially because Jose Theodore, the former Montreal Canadian goalie, who was an MVP candidate almost yearly for a while there, in the late 90s, I believe, he was just, and, and early 2000s, he was just an awesome goalie for a long time. But then, for some reason, his career went down downward for a little while. I, have, I don't understand what happened. I'm looking at his career numbers right now. It looks like in 2005-06 he had injury issues. But, um, yeah, with Montreal, in the end, yeah, his career did go down a little bit. But for so many years, this guy has had a lot of you know, he was a very talented player. I mean, gosh, look at 2000, 2001. He was 29 and 5. Ho, ho. You know, 2003 with Montreal. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Oh, I'm, I apologize. He was 20 and 29. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking Montreal couldn't have been that good. I was looking at the loss and ties rather than wins and losses. So, really, I guess the win loss record wasn't so hot. But, um, yeah, 30, 24, 20, 29, 12, and 13. 33, 28, but Montreal wasn't a good team for a long time, so that's not all his fault. I mean, you look at goals against average some of these years, like 211, 227, 210, um, save percentage in the 90s for a while there until it started to go downhill, and that was when he was traded in 2005, 06. Uh, Yeah, that's what year it was, so he he didn't have injury problems. He was just traded. I apologize. Traded mid-season. Um, I kind of forgot. I thought it was an off-season move, but yeah, I I remember thinking that. Oh, here we go. Colorado's about to get really good because I know Theodore is going to get back, ready to rock and roll again. But he didn't for a while until this year. He just absolutely kicked the Wild's butt in this series. Made one big save after another, and uh, my most viable player for this series is going to go to Jose Theodore. So. That being said, let's move on to Game 3, the overall MVP of this series. Um, I'll give you my Wild MVP very shortly. Now, in Game 3 in Colorado, the Wild win again. 
it went to overtime. This easily the most entertaining game of the entire series, and I was fortunate to get home at, at, after work to watch the end of this this sucker. Uh, Andrew Brunette, former Minnesota Wild, I miss him very much. Wish he was here. Scored in the first period with a with 15-19 done. Anyway, that was all about oh about four and a half minutes left to go in the period, and. Again, another scoreless second period, as that's the second game in a row that happened. But then Miko Koivu scores his third goal of the playoffs. Third game in a row, Miko Koivu, assisted by another familiar name, Todd Fedorik. Todd Fedorik, just a huge factor in this series. Physical play, making nice passes, and, and scoring a, a couple of goals, I believe. Fedorik and Bouchard uh, assisting there. Ralston puts the Wild up 2-1 to one on a shorthanded goal. Sackick again, the sniper, Joe Sniper Sackick, <laughs> and uh, very familiar names on this line, Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, Andrew Brunette, with about five minutes left in the game. That pissed off a lot of Wild fans. But then, in overtime, 12 minutes into overtime, when it was just back and forth, great chances for both teams for a while there, uh, Peter Mark Richard buries it on a great pass by uh, Brian Ralston, and a defensive mistake by... Wild defense and uh, uh, wild defense and Colorado defense and um, I can't remember which player it was. I apologize. It's been a week, so with my crazy schedule, I can't really keep track. Um, actually, in this game, so I was wrong. In this game, Colorado outshot the Wild. Colorado outshot the Wild. That's a miracle, and I I believe that a lot of that was in the third period and in the overtime. Colorado got most of the shots. Uh, set 46 shots. Against Nicholas Backstrom by Colorado, 39 for the Wild, and they bury the Avalanche 3-2 to two in this game. But guess what? Not only did we not win Game five, game 4, we didn't win another game in this series. Um, PA on PA in Dubai was like, here we go, the Wild are going to win Game 4, and we're going to get in the driver's seat, baby. And you know what? I agreed with them, and uh, I think a lot of us did. But... Uh, this game was a complete drubbing, and this totally changed the whole landscape of the series. And I mean the whole damn thing. The Colorado Avalanche bury the Wild 5-1. to one. A lot of us thought, oh, it's just the Avalanche, you know, they're just keeping themselves alive. But no, this is where the Avalanche said, you guys are done. You guys have had your day in the sun. You are finished. And, um... <laughs> I mean, there was goals early on. Four, four minutes in the game, Andrew Brunette. 5.37 in the game. Wojak Wolos, uh, well, excuse me. Wojak Wolski scores. Wojtek, sorry. And then Tyler Arneson <laughs> scores 11 minutes into the first period. 3 nothing, just bing, bang, boom. And then the second period, <laughs> Russian Soleil, or Russland Soleil, I, I apologize, scores. Oh, about eight minutes in, and then late in the secretary at Hey Duke makes it five nothing, and this sucker is a blowout, as the Canadians like to say. It was a blowout, and uh, the one wild scorer. Can you guess who it was? You got it, Miko Koivu, his fourth goal in four games. So you can kind of guess who the MVP of this series is, but I'll keep saving it. <laughs> wink, wink. Sure as hell ain't Baxter. I'm not after this game, as uh, he was pulled. After facing 29 shots and giving up five goals, 
pathetic. Theodore also faced 29, oh, 25, well, Theodore only faced 25 shots. And, uh, yeah, he uh, only let one through, and that was Koivu early in the third period, assisted by Keith Carney and Brian Ralston. So that's all she wrote about this game. This was the tide turner, and it was a tsunami, baby. This was a tsunami going against the wild. Now, game five was a complete disappointment. I mean, this game was so upsetting. There were so many wild fans who were ready to say, here we go, baby. Now we're going to get the lead back in the series, and we're going to bury him in game six, and if, if we have to, we'll take him out in game seven. We're going to do this, and the Wild came out with that attitude. They put 40 shots on Jose Theodore. You know how many shots the Colorado Avalanche had in this game? 17. 17 shots. And the Wild lose in regulation. 3-2. to two. Oh, just, just, oh, this was the biggest heartbreaker. And this told me the Wild are going to lose this series. It's Andrew Brunette, third goal of the series, assisted by Milan Hayduk and Peter Forsberg. Pierre-Marc Bouchard scores late, very late, with only 40 seconds left to go on the first trade to tie it up. So it's like, all right, here we go, baby. But then Colorado, or yeah, it was scoreless all the way through the second period. The Wild get countless opportunities. Can't bury Jack Bleep in this game. And yeah, you can guess which word I was trying to say there. It was just so frustrating. I am telling you, you can hear the frustration in my voice, the angst. This this game absolutely sucked in so many ways for this team. It drained all the energy out of Wild fans, and it, I'm sure it drained all the energy out of the team, and it sure as hell drained the energy out of the coaches. I will get into that also very shortly. Five minutes into the third period, Walski scores his second goal of the series to make it 2-1, to one, and then a mere minute later, Paul Stansny scores on the just the, just the cheapest little goal, that you know, the stupidest little defensive crap mistake by the Wild, assisted by Hayduk and Forsberg, um, just a complete embarrassment. And then after that, the Wild... Attack, attack, attack. They're down three to one. They do everything. Yeah, they, I guess they do everything. I guess they do everything they can, but <laughs> they were some of the weakest, uh, some of the weakest offensive setups. It just, I was, it was just so frustrating, so difficult to watch. Oh, but the Wild did score though. They, they did score. You know, this was a close game. This was very close. They only lost three to two because Brian Ralston finally got the damn puck in the net with three seconds left in the game. Three seconds. And guess what, folks? The horn sounded, and the Wild, again, 40 shots to 17. Lose. At home, can't get it done. I mean, Theodore, yeah, you got to give him credit, obviously, as I call him the MVP of the series. And This was the night that he was, you know, the star of stars, boy, on this night. Yes, he was the star of stars. He did everything in his power to shut down the Wild, to say, you are not going to win this game or this series. And tell you what, game six was, that was exactly what the case was, as the Wild lose two to one in Colorado in game six. Another heartbreaker, another game that just saw the Wild just not get it done. Not get it done. You know, they outshoot Colorado again, 35 to 30. Theodore again, just a complete wall, complete utter wall. Um, 
Ben Gutt scores. Then Aaron Voros ties it up. Only 36 seconds into the second period. And it's like, okay, here we go. Ain't no stopping us now. But no. Um, here's the other part of this, uh, the frustration. This is the most frustrating part of the entire damn series, or at least one of them. Marion Gabrick gets his first assist of the, the first point of the entire series. Didn't score a flipping goal. There was his assist right there on Aaron Voros' goal. Also assisted by Pavel Dimitra. But then Ryan Smith with 12.20 left of the second period scores the final goal of the game. So that tells you how entertaining the third period was. And, um, that was it, folks. That was it. The Wild. Done. Done. Nothing more to be happy about. Nothing more to celebrate. The wild season is over. Gabrick did get six shots on goal, but, you know, they weren't the greatest shots. I don't think they really weren't. Um, just just a look in Jacques Lemaire's face at it all. And, again, I'm getting to that very quickly here. And um, the official season wrap-up for the Minnesota Wild here it is. Your regular season and postseason MVP, Miko Koivu. Not Marion Gabrick. Not Marion Gabrick even for the regular season. Because Miko Koivu made the difference when he came back from that injury. And, um, you know, he was, he was, he struggled for a week or two. But when he started getting back into form, Miko Koivu made the difference for this team. He is your 2008 Minnesota Wild most valuable player. Despite the fact Marion Garrick had 42 goals, because I'm telling you, those were a pretty quiet 42 goals. They really were. I know that sounds really stupid, what I just said. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you watch this team and you saw the way the whole season was with Gabrick, I mean, yeah, he took strides, he made strides this year. And you know what? He, he easily could have been the co, could be the co-MVP. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Miko Koivu didn't do squat this year. He did score 42 goals, and he did have that beautiful five-goal game that we're never, ever, ever going to forget, because that was so fun. It was so fun to watch him break out. But uh, Miko Koivu, the most valuable player of the Minnesota Wild. Now, that's the part that isn't, you know, crazy. That is part that isn't a crazy comment. A lot of Wild fans are going to agree with me on that one. And the postseason, he absolutely was. Absolutely. Now, the biggest surprise, at least the biggest positive emergence, whatever, James Shepard. Now, his game, like his, his scoring game, really shut down midway through the year. But oh, was it January, February? But still, that it tells you something, doesn't it? There really was no one else who emerged at all. I mean, Aaron Voros was going to be a like emerging player and all that stuff, but he didn't score since January at all. He hadn't done. He had two. He had three points since January, and. Um, just he didn't really do hardly anything. He was a healthy scratch a couple times, or several times. He just wasn't the same player at all. Whereas James Shepard still did the you know little things that don't show up in the stat sheet. He made nice defensive plays. He made nice uh, you know plays that got the, us the puck that made us uh, made the Wild you know help, help them get a break going at least a little bit here and there. James Shepard, your biggest surprise, I guess. Now, the biggest disappointment for me, and I know Wild fans, particularly ones from here in Minnesota, not going to like this, but, you know, the truth hurts, folks. The truth hurts. Mark Parrish, biggest disappointment for the Minnesota Wild. He absolutely disappointed me. And I'm not talking about in the playoffs. He probably would have been a factor in the playoffs. I'm almost certain he would have been because you need somebody to get a flipping rebound and put the puck in the net. Uh, 
Terrace, 30 points this year. 30 points in 66 games, only 16 goals, 14 assists. You're an easy disappointment. I mean, Mark Parrish had been so good for so many years. And um, not the case this year. He wasn't, he's really been a disappointment since he got here. Um, now, I know the other guy I could have said was a big, would have been a big surprise, or like a surprise would have been Brent Burns, but it really wasn't a surprise. Brent Burns just phenomenal this year. He was, a, he was probably the second or third, well, he's the second, third most valuable player on this team. 43 points, 15, uh, 15 goals, 28 assists to make 43 points. He was just a phenomenal, you know, he was just a really awesome defenseman. We finally have a big time defenseman on this team. We finally have one, but that is another issue I'm just about to get into is, uh, yeah, <laughs> you need more than that. Now, the guys that need to step up next year, these are the guys that need to step up next year to help this Minnesota Wild franchise develop. Ben Wapulia, who was the fourth overall pick a year before James Shepard was taken, and he still is yet to prove he is a National Hockey League player. He was the fourth overall pick. He finally got on the team this year for a short time. He didn't make the team in the uh, preseason. The only reason he was on the team for a very short time was um, injuries. I believe it was a West Walls dealy. Uh, yeah, only played 11 games this year. Benoit, and uh, that's not injuries. It's because he wasn't playing. He just wasn't here. Um, he wasn't good enough. Three points in 11 games. Benoit Puglia, step it up. We need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. Step it up now. And the two other players that I need the Wild to step up, or the Wild need to step up, it has nothing to do with me, Josh Harding. Goalie Josh Harding needs to step up. As um, he's, he's been in the Wild system for a while. He's now been in the NHL for two years. So, to me, Josh Harding needs to step up. His, his uh, stats this year, not horrible. But certainly not great. Not a guy that can push Backstrom. We need somebody that can push Backstrom. Josh Harding was 11 and 15 with a 2.94 goals against average. His save percentage, however, was 90.8. So that's not horrible. Uh, Backstrom's numbers this year are very deceiving. As when you look at his numbers, you think this guy is an MVP candidate almost. You know, <laughs> well maybe not, but very close. I mean, his record: 33 and 13. 33 and 13. Goals against average 2.31. That's kind of the telling stat that maybe he's not quite as good as, as you know, some of the other things might tell you. Uh, save percentage, though, 92%, and then four shutouts. So, yeah, Backstrom, I don't think he's as good as those numbers reflect. I just don't. But we'll see. The next topic, or the next line here, is was this a failed season? Yes. Yes. Now, the Wild won the division. That's that's awesome. I'm very happy they finally won the division. But they had less points than last year. The competition was not as stiff as last year. That's why we won the division. Last year's team would have won the division in their sleep. I thought the Minnesota Wild had a better team for most of last year than the Wild did this year. I mean, that was a fun team to watch last season. Uh, the gabrick Demetra thing was better last year than this year. You could just feel it wasn't quite as good. Um, the Baxter was sure as hell not even close to as good. Uh, I mean, yeah, we had Brent Burns develop into a more bigger-time player this year. So certain things progressed and other things regressed, I thought. Gabrick not quite as dominant this year, like I was saying. He just wasn't. His numbers might have been a little bit bigger than his overall play this year. 
It's just he didn't really seem to have that that explosiveness that he did the last couple of years. He's 26. He's not 36, so he's got plenty of time to show what he can do yet. But, yeah, that is why I call this a failed season. Um, yeah, they had less points. For one, they had, was it, uh, six less points. Now, that's not horrible, but ultimately the way they lost to Colorado was so frustrating and so telling that this team is just not ready to go because I don't think Colorado's going anywhere. I think they're done in round two. I think they're going to lose, no matter whoever they play. They're not that good. Unless Theodore can keep playing up to his potential, I don't think Colorado is that big of a deal. Now, the overall needs for the Minnesota Wild. We need a big-time defenseman. We need another big-time defenseman to go with Brent Burns. Not necessarily to play with him, but another big-time defenseman. We need to make a good free agent move of some kind, a trade, something. you got to do something, and you got to do it now. You absolutely have to do it now. Um, we also need another star forward to take pressure off Marion Gabrick, and that is part of the reason why Marion Gabrick was not quite as dominant this year because there really wasn't anybody else on this team that really scares people. Now, Brian Ralston had 30 goals and all that stuff, and he gets 30 goals every year since he's been here, and that's awesome. But he's not hes not really a feared player. He's just not. He doesn't put on big guy moves. He just has a really good slap shot. You know, he's not the kind of player that people are like, oh, my God, Brian Ralston, you know. Yeah, he's a feared player, but not like Gabrick. You need another big-time player. You need a Marion Hossa. You need something. And the Wild did not do that in the in the uh, during the trade the trade deadline week or whatever. They just did not make that move, and they need to make that move this summer. Or Ben Wapulia or somebody like that needs to step up. James Shepard, obviously, he needs to continue to step up definitely. Um, but now look for the things to look for in the off season. Here's the surprise comment now. It would have been maybe more of a surprise yesterday, but I don't know what people have been looking at or whatever. But look for the possibility of Jacques Lemaire to step down. I mean, if you saw the look in his eyes after the game when they were talking about him returning, because he is a free agent coach, of course, he's uh, his contract is up. I saw the look in his eyes, folks. He looks like he's considering stepping away. He really did. I mean, the, he just had that. He had a different look in his eye this year than he did in the past. So many other years, he's like, "Yeah, we'll probably sit down and talk about it." Uh, you know, there's a good. You know, he just he, he looked kind of good. Look, kind of confident. Yeah, everything's gonna be okay. You know, kumbaya. This year, he had a look in his eye that he just doesn't know anymore. He just doesn't. I, I he, like he's losing the. Uh, I don't know. I mean, players aren't listening to him. Maybe like they used to. I don't know what's going on. It could be it could be up. We'll see. Uh, in the paper, GM Doug Risebrow believes he will be returning. He does believe that Jacques Lemaire is coming back. And, yeah, that could have just been frustration from Lemaire. We'll see. But sure, the frustration was a lot higher this year than I've ever seen from Jacques Lemaire. Also, though, I do think Pavel Dimitra is gone. And uh, GM Doug Risebrow said no comment on Dimitra. That does tell you something that Demetra, good chance he won't be back. Um, Sean Hill is going to be gone for sure. Uh, Keith Carney, there's a pretty good chance he's not going to be back because he's getting old. Um, there's just so many others. I mean, there's uh, Aaron Voros, a good chance he's not going to be back because he, he's not that good. And I don't care if he's back. I really don't. So, because Todd Vidoric be, has beaten him out of any type of power, you know, power forward type of job. 
Scott Fedorik is a wonderful player. There is a chance Brian Ralston could be gone. There, there's a chance. He's 35. Um, he wants a a pay hike because of his three 30-goal years. Wild may or may not be willing to um, to give that pay hike. And you know what? I don't blame him. Brian Ralston is very valuable, very good. But at the same time, he's not really a game changer. I don't think he is. A lot of people think he is. I don't. I think he scores... I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's just like, it's almost like they're, they're just like the quiet, they're, they're the quiet type of goal that don't change the pace of the game. And um, that's just how I see Brian Ralston. I've never really had the same uh, flair for him that other fans have. But at this point now, I'm going to conclude the wrap up on the Minnesota Wild. And um, I did receive two calls, two calls from, uh, Two guys. One of them was Dylan. The other was Jim. So uh, the first one, I believe, the first one's going to be Jim. And we're going to get to those calls really quick here. And we're going to start off with Jim. Yeah, this is Jim Bauer from uh, Colin Palladino Live. Uh, I've been a Viking fan all my life and stuff. And Frank Tarkin, Chuck Foreman, Alan Page, Jim Marshall, Carl Eller, Jim Larson, the Minnesota Purple Eaters. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are doing the I'm glad you're doing the show and like to hear more from you and I'd like to hear from you and I think you're doing a good job and and stuff and go Vikings and hope for the best and Tavares Jackson, I don't like I'm not really too crazy about him and I think they ought to find another quarterback like Jake Plummer, you know, or somebody, you know. Maybe they'll draft someone good, you know. They do Sage Rosenthal, hell with him. I don't even know who the guy is. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate the love on the on the, the show. You know, I appreciate it. Um, I hope I do a good job here. I think I do potentially, but <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I I I love doing this show. I'm very happy to be here, Jim, and uh, I love covering the Minnesota Vikings and. Um, as Dylan's going to bring up in his call in a bit, he uh, there's also going to be Purple Mafia in a little while, so definitely check that out. Event, you know, as that comes out soon. But yeah, to get into what you were saying, uh, Tavares Jackson, yeah, I don't think he's that big a deal either. He really isn't <laughs> a very good player. Uh, to me, when you're talking about getting a quarterback in the draft, I think it's Brian Brom. I would look at Brian Brom personally. Jake Plummer, hey, I like him, but I think he's done playing. I think he doesn't want to play anymore. So. That's just what I've heard over my sports knowledge, I guess you could call it. But <laughs> but um, overall, yeah, Brian Brom to me is the guy who's potentially going to be available. Uh, there's another quarterback that I, for some reason, his name is escaping me. Uh, he he really doesn't sound as, as good to me overall, and they don't even have him projected in the first round. So um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we're not going to get Matt Ryan on the Vikings unless they make some trade up, but that ain't going to happen, of course. So, um, Sage Rosenfels, his numbers were okay, but yeah, I didn't really know who he was either. You know, he sounds like a Sage sausage or something. You know, when I hear the name Sage, I think of, uh, the herb. That's about it. You know, really, I haven't really heard of him too much either myself, other than his statistics, not too bad. Now, um, again, thanks again, Jim Bauer, for that call. Uh, definitely hope you keep listening. And, uh, yeah. Purple Mafia is on its way eventually in about, oh, three weeks, a month, something like that. So as soon as this uh, lawn cleanup crap is done. Now we're going to hear a call from 
Dylan. Yeah, this is Dylan. I'm calling in for Paladino Live. Just like to say, I, I love the show. Great show. Too bad the Timberwolves aren't doing better for you. You always got the always got the Wild and the Vikings to look forward to. I'm really looking forward to the Purple Mafia, which you've been mentioning in your shows. I think that's going to be an excellent, excellent Minnesota Vikings show. Even though I'm a Bears fan, and today I was revisiting uh, your show that you're talking about, Bernard Berrien uh, being signed with the Vikings, and I'd like to say. Uh, Kudos for that signing. I wish he wish the Bears could have kept him, but uh, that's the way the free our, uh, free agency ball rolls, I guess, at times, or the cookie crumbles for our part. Uh, keep up the good work, Joey. Love the shows. Keep them coming. And thank you, Dylan, for that call in. That is, of course, the executive producer of thesportstuff.com, and great to hear from you, Dylan. Uh, I appreciate the love on my show, and um, yeah. As he said, Purple Mafia is coming, and uh, yeah, I, I I hope it's an excellent show. I think it will be too. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really going to enjoy doing that. As that really is what got me going here on um, on YouTube. Ultimately, well, not here on YouTube, but that's <laughs> my on Palapaladino Live on YouTube with the Viking talk is what got me here eventually. But anyhow, now yeah, Timberwolves. You know, of course, that was they're just a developmental team right now. They're not really ready to compete, and that's cool. You know, I kind of was accepting of that, I guess. I'll be getting into their wrap-up uh, very shortly. But, um, yeah, um, I wish I had the Wild to look forward to. I did at the time when you made this call, as, of course, it was about a week ago. Darn, this darn, uh, I just couldn't get to the episode 10 right away. But, um the Vikings, yeah, uh, I'm really happy to have Bernard Berrien, and uh, I'm sorry to take him away from you guys. I don't hate the Bears like I used to long ago, but um, I think he's going to make a huge addition to this Viking team. He is going to change the the whole landscape of this offense. Well, maybe not all of it, but he's going to open things up for Peterson. He's going to take. Uh, he's going to make things easier for Tavares Jackson, and he's going to probably, you know, just his presence here is going to make uh, Sidney Rice better. You know, an experienced, talented receiver to go with a inexperienced, talented receiver. So that's a good combination. Things are going to start clicking here for the Minnesota Vikings offense, provided, you know, Jackson doesn't completely flop. And we're overall going to have to see what happens. Uh, again, Dylan, thanks for the love and great to hear from you. And now it is time to get into the Minnesota Timberwolves season wrap-up. And we are back, and yes, it is time for the Timberwolves season wrap-up. Now, overall, um, I'm going to just kind of do a quick little breeze through the uh, the last two weeks of games. I'm not going to, overall, I'm not going to get all nitty-gritty into them, except maybe the last game or two. But, uh, yeah, I left off on, it was the April April the 6th, the loss to Memphis. It was 113-101. So, yeah, that's the last game I officially covered at episode 9. Now, the next game, Tuesday the 8th, we lost to the Charlotte Bobcats. Barely lost to them. 121 to 119 at Charlotte. So, eh, it's an entertaining game, but whatever. Two teams that ain't going to the playoffs. Jefferson, the notable thing here. Jefferson, 40 points. Um, very good game by him. 18 to 25. Phenomenal. Foy, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Very good game. 
two turnovers, so not too bad. Gomes had a pretty big game here, also 24 points, 5 rebounds. So uh, that was the main thing of note there. Buckner getting major playing time for some reason, 31 minutes off the bench, 13 points. So Buckner maybe is about his best game of the year overall. So those are the main things to note. Um, yeah, 3 of 4 from the floor for Buckner. Jason Richardson, though, a little bit too much, 36 points in the game. So that's a quick little run-through of that one. And um, the Wolves, though, well, the Wolves, this is the, this is one of the biggest losses of the year, 122-90. to 90. Chris Paul destroyed the Timberwolves in the target center. I remember watching this one. 16 assists for Chris Paul, the MVP. That is my pick for MVP this year. Absolutely. Charlotte Hornets, or Charlotte, God, i got to stop. New Orleans Hornets. A team that I really like going into the playoffs. I really like them a lot. <clears throat> I apologize. As, my God, he is just the best. You know, the, the Hornets wouldn't quite be a top-type seed, top-two seed in the uh, Western Conference without Chris Paul. That's for dang sure. They probably wouldn't be a playoff team. This guy, the MVP of the league this year, in my opinion. Foy, another 20-point game. Five personal fouls. Uh, five assists. Um... Foy's numbers, his scoring numbers, stepping up a bit here late in the season. Al Jefferson, 7 of 10 from the floor, but only 14 points. So I don't know what happened there. I really don't. I just, I don't know. I really don't know what happened. They pretty much just took him out of the game, I would believe, I guess. I mean, that's what it looks. He only played 32 minutes overall. McCants, very good game. Very good game for McCants off the bench. 23 points, 8 of 15 from the floor, 5 of 10 from three-point range. So that's where I don't mind McCants shooting a lot of three-pointers when he's actually making them. Foy also was 5 of 7. And, oh, yes, now I remember. This was the game. Now I'm remembering. Duh, I apologize. This is the game where Randy Foy exploded in the first quarter. He had 16 points in the first quarter, finishes with 20. Great. Good job, Foy. You just, you are so good. Ah, uh, you know. Just telling you, it, it, it gets on my nerves. I, I, I'm sorry. I, he's probably going to be a pretty good player, but right now he's getting on my nerves. He really is. Now, the next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic. Where did this come from? Foy, again, 25 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, 3 of 5 from 3-point range. So Foy more consistent in this one, and he was the player of the game. Definitely. This is the game of the week, of course. <laughs> Definitely the game of the week. It's, uh, Jefferson only 7 of 19, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Jefferson kind of quieting down a teeny bit at the end of the year. It's, you know, two blocks. That's good. Two steals. But, yeah, you can just tell Jefferson, you know, fatiguing a bit at the end of the year, kind of kind of wearing down. And, um, whole, you know, hopefully that doesn't become a concern in the future. I mean, but, yeah, Big Al overall played 82 games this year. That's that's the key for Big Al. So those are the main things to note. Uh, McCants, again, shooting pretty darn good. 7 of 10 from the floor, 5 of 6 from three-point range. So McCants actually finishing fairly strong this year. Unfortunately, I yeah have some stuff to say about him in a minute when I get to the official wrap-up. Some stuff that isn't too positive, unfortunately. I, I wish it was. Now, this next game at Memphis, <laughs> this game could have <laughs> this game could have cost the Wolves a slightly less chance in the, in the draft lottery as we beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And, um, yeah, it got us within one game of the Memphis Grizzlies. 
for like for tying it up, and you know he'd be tied for the third worst record in the league rather than officially have it. Um, Kirk Snyder, the player of the game, though, 22 points, 11 rebounds, huge. Uh, Ryan Gomes, also a double-double, 11 points, 12 rebounds. And Al Jefferson, you know, Al Jefferson continuing to be who he is. 21 points, 10 rebounds, good game for Big Al. Two more blocks. And, uh, yeah, there has been, you know, Al Jefferson's defense has improved this season. It definitely has. Mike Conley emerging late in the year for the Memphis Grizzlies, 25 points, 5 assists, 2 steals. So, uh, possibly a shades of what could be to come for the Grizzlies in time. They have a nice, talented core with Akeem Warwick and Rudy Gay, and of course Mike Conley. Uh, Warwick, 16.7 rebounds. Rudy Gay, 22.7 rebounds. So, yeah, I like the makeup of this team. I, uh, the Grizzlies, I do. I think they have a chance to be pretty good overall. And Kwame Brown ain't the reason why. That's for darn sure. But, yeah, that concludes that game. That game was on April April 12th, Saturday, April 12th. The game before was Friday, April 11th, uh, Orlando game. So back-to-back road wins for the Wolves. Yeah, that's a pretty big, that's kind of significant. It's kind of funny how, yeah, you're trying to, so that's proof the Wolves did not tank this year. Did not tank. They won two games on the road. Um, Timberwolves beat, <laughs> the Timberwolves, or, I, I apologize, Detroit beats the Wolves behind Jarvis Hayes. Really? Say that again? Who? Jarvis Hayes. Yep. 22, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Jarvis Hayes was 7 at 12 from the floor, so he had a pretty darn good game. And, um, yeah, it just shows you this is a pretty deep Detroit Pistons team. They have some nice players, you know, off the bench Hayes, Maxiel, and Stuckley. But not the kind of guys you want to hear beat you. That just, that's kind of silly. But, um,. Yeah, overall, Chauncey Billups, the other probably best player for Detroit, 17.7, 6 assists. Not too bad. Richard Hamilton had four steals in this game. No, that's pretty awesome. So that's the Pistons. And um, Randy Foy, a little quieter this game. Definitely, you know, kind of about what kind of year he's had right here. Other than the nine assists and three steals, those are nice stats. But, uh, yeah, 6 of 14 from the floor, 1 of 4 from three-point range. So, going, uh, Foy, not the greatest. Yarich, little better, 13.3 assists, 4 rebounds. Al Jefferson, big. He was big, Al, on this night. 30 points, 9 rebounds. Two more blocks for big Al Jefferson. Very, very good. 6 of 10 from 3, from the, from 3, yeah, right, you know, in his dreams. No, 6 of 10 from the free throw line, that's not that good. It's good that he got to the line, but, yeah, only 60%. Mm. Gomes playing 41 minutes. He was the big minute man on this night. And this is the kind of line I look at and say, ah, you know, beautiful, beautiful line. Five of ten from the floor, 50% overall. Three of four from three-point range. And he missed a free throw out of two. That's not the best part. Nine rebounds, six assists, three steals, 14 points. Ah, beautiful. I just, I love it. Unfortunately, he must have been on the floor when the Pistons were on a run, because his plus-minus is minus 21. But when you look at his his line, that sure as heck doesn't tell you. You know, zero turnovers, by the way. Zero turnovers. He was the only Timberwolf that played in this game that didn't get a turnover. So why his plus-minus is so negative? I don't know. Sure isn't his fault. I think Detroit just was on a run. Ah, Ryan Gomes, that is a guy... Kevin McHale has got to keep on this team. I, you know, he is like he's another Shane Battier. 
That's exactly what he's becoming. I love Shane Battier, and I love Ryan Gobbs. I really do. Keep him. Please stay, Ryan. Please, if you're listening. I doubt it, but it'd be nice if you were. <laughs> Please stay. Kirk Snyder, 2 of 5 from the floor, 5.7 rebounds. Eh. Ryan Gomes. No, Ryan Gomes. Rashad and McCants can't on this night. 8 of 17. Not that good. 2 of 7 from 3-point range. Not that good. <laughs> 19 points, though. He, you know, he, he can score. Rashad McCants can score. It's unfortunate, though, he has to gun and gun and gun and gun and gun to get there, though. You know, if he could be a little more consistent, this guy could be pretty good. I have to admit, he, you know, he's showing some signs he could be pretty good late in the year. Uh, Brewer, solid in his 25 minutes of play. Five, four of five from the floor. He had a three-pointer. Nine points, two steals, not bad, and a block. Chris Richard, here's a little thing of note for him. He had four rebounds and two blocks in 16 minutes. Uh, I, I like Chris Richard. I like Chris Richard. He's a nice second-round pick for the Wolves, and I want him on this team. Now, the final game of the season, and this is the game that put the Wolves in a slight jeopardy to getting that, uh, you know, that third-best shot at winning the draft lottery, you know, which kind of essentially gives us a, you know, gives us the third pick, you know, essentially gives it to us. Not really. You know, anything can change easily in the draft lottery. We all saw what happened last year. That was weird. Um, this was a weird game. The Timberwolves getting cut out to a great start, 32 to 24 in the first quarter, demolished in the second quarter, 29 to 13, 29 to 13. What the heck was that? Then they come back 22 to 21, so they figure, oh, this game is over for the Wolves. But then we tie this sucker up, go to overtime and kick their butt, 16 to 7 in overtime. Okay, I don't know. Why? What the point? But I mean, oh, oh well. You know, it, it was entertaining. It was fun to watch. It's a 110-101 victory over the Bucks on Fan Appreciation Night, and boy, they better appreciate the fans this year for sticking with them. As uh, yeah, it was a 22-win season, 60-loss season, 60 losses for the Wolves. Um, Raymond Sessions. I hate to say this, but I really know very little about this guy. He had. 14 points. Yeah, he was a second-round pick in, you know, last year's draft, 26th in the second round. 26th second-round pick by the Miami Heat. He only played 17 games this year. He was on the Bucks, so he must have been waived by uh, Miami. And uh, his number's kind of good, man. Kind of good. Wow. <laughs> kind of good. 8.1 points, but 7.5 assists. He's kind of good, man. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, and he was excellent in this game. Excellent. 25 points, 14 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 steals, 3 turnovers, but whatever. You know, he made up for it with 3 steals. 11 of 17 from the floor. Wow. Raymond Sessions, keep an eye on that guy. Whew. He's, he's one of those uh, sneak picks, I think. You know, I mean, you know, it's you never know. You never know. I remember when a guy named Gilbert Arenas was this... This is second-round pick that no one in the hell has ever heard of. And who the hell is this? Why is he uh, making all these shots on the Golden State Warriors? Oh, don't get excited about him. He's just some stiff who's on a hot run. But, yeah, you just don't know. I'm not comparing him to Gilbert Arenas, but then again, well, <laughs> similar. You know, he's 6'3". He's kind of big like Gilbert. He's kind of a big scorer like Gilbert. So, well, not a big scorer like Gilbert, but he's he's a nice passer apparently. Oof. And, uh, yeah, he can score when he needs to. Michael Red only 27 minutes, and I don't blame him. Only one of six from the floor. I don't blame him from taking him out because what's the point? You don't need him getting hurt. Bogut, 
24 points, 15 rebounds. Pretty entertaining game for the uh, the Bucks and Wolves. Kind of fun. A fun little game to finish the season with. Um, a lot of guys got to play. Now, Randy Foy had his best game of the year on this night. And um, yeah, I was, I was, it was fun to watch. It, hopefully it's a sign that he's going to be a better player next year. I really hope so. 13 of 18 from the floor, 4 of 5 from three-point range, 32 points, 5 assists, or no, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, 1 steal, not bad at all, 5 personal fouls, that's what I was looking at, Yarich, a nice line, 15 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds, 8 of 10 from, free, from the free-throw line, very solid there, getting to the line, that's always good. Even for a guy who I don't really care for much. Jefferson, 5 of 14, not the best game. and Whatever, it's the final game of the season. It didn't, I really didn't care if the Wolves win or lose this game. You know, a lot of us wanted them to lose, to be honest, because uh, that, that uh, the ping-pong ball thing. We need as many ping-pong balls as we can get. Blah, blah, blah. Corey Brewer's solid. He was kind of fun to watch. He made all six of his free throws, 12 points, two steals, a block. So, yeah, four, four rebounds as, all, as well. Uh, but again, here's the line of the night. He <laughs> just beautiful. And this time he had the best plus minus on the team. Ryan Gomes, nine, a plus 19. Just, I just look at some of his lines and I just smile. 30, 30 minutes. He is 8 of 13 from the floor. 1 of 2 from 3 point range. That's not bad, obviously. 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 17 points. Only 1 turnover and 2 fouls. Not bad. You know, stick around, Ryan. Stick around for a while, buddy. Stick around, Ryan. We love you. Don't leave. Don't ever leave the Timberwolves. We need you. We need you. We need you. That's for darn sure. Now, for the official Timberwolves season wrap-up, the MVP for the Wolves, well, that's a toughie, Ryan Gomes. No, Al Jefferson. Ryan Gomes is easily the second guy, but no, Al Jefferson, clearly the most valuable player for the Wolves. He was excellent. He was a 20 and uh, about 20 and 12, 21 and 11. There's his numbers. 21 points a game, 11.1 rebounds, 1.4 assists. But the 1.5 blocks, that is very encouraging. His overall field goal percentage, 50. Not bad. Free throw percentage goes up a little bit from 68 last year to 72 this year. Not too bad. Um, steals and blocks up from last year. That is also good. Well, blocks, I guess, tied. So... That is good. Personal fouls down, down from last year. Yes, 3.4 fouls. So, yeah, his down to 2.7. So, yes, his, and that's, he had lower personal fouls per game with, uh, you know, he was averaging about 36 minutes a game this year versus 18 minutes a game with Boston two years ago, where he averaged 2.8 fouls a game. That tells you something. His defense is getting better. And um, this young man wants to get better. I love him. I'm so happy he's here long term. Big Al, baby, he is, he is already my, you know, I, I just, you know, I can't wait to watch him get better and better, and I hope he stays here his whole career. The biggest surprise overall, uh, Sebastian Telfair, because um, I can't say it's Ryan Gomes, because me and the forecaster, Marcus the forecaster, really fell in love with Ryan Gomes' game when he was at the Boston Celtics. You know, he's a nice player. We really like Ryan Gomes, and... Um, we knew this this guy has some talent and he's a nice he's a nice line filler and that's what he does. He's just his 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 lines are so nice and he's so he's a such a classy player to watch out there on the floor. He just gets it done. 
He doesn't ever cause trouble, and he makes smart plays. I just, I really like him. Now, the biggest disappointment of the year, despite the fact he finished very strong, but overall, I gotta say, it's Rashad McCants. It's gotta be. I, I would have given it to Foy if he didn't have a major injury, and this is what kind of year he was having. But uh, no, it's um, it is Rashad McCants without a doubt, because he was he was kind of up and down all year. His, his overall stats don't show that he was a huge disappointment. I mean, his field goal percentage, 45%. That's not that bad. Three-point percentage, 40. So, yeah, clearly the guy has offensive talent, and he has a chance to explode if he can be more consistent. That is the problem with Rashad McCants, and um, that's what Randy Whitman said in his final interview with uh, Chad Hartman. Season wrap-up with Chad Hartman on KFAN. Not only the consistency, but defensive. You know, he needs to be more defensively aware out there. He needs to be. He needs to be more focused on his defense. He can't just only care about offense all the time. Um, yeah, well, because on the final game of the season, I didn't even mention his line: four of fifteen, two of two or fifteen from the floor, two of eight from three-point range. Yuck! Absolutely yuck! I don't like that at all. That's Anthony Peeler again. And yeah, see, that's the thing: is Rashad McCants Michael Red or is he Anthony Peeler? You know, obviously he's kind of in between, you know, he's going to be in between that somewhere, but I want him to be more close in the Michael Reddish area, you know, making, making shots and such. But, um, yeah, overall, the guys that need to step up next year for this team to continue development, um, Randy Foy, Rashad McCants, and Corey Brewer. Foy needs to uh, get his timing all the way back. He needs to show what he was starting to show last summer. I mean, last summer he looked like a confident guy who was ready to be a very, very good player in this league, maybe even an all-star. And um, what I saw from him this year, you know, I mean, and, and, and we're talking a month after he came back from injury, that's enough time to get your timing back, you know, and maybe even a little jump back, you know, so, so, so to speak, you're like your legs back and such. He, he does not appear to be a guy on his way to becoming an all-star yet. He, he really doesn't. But um, we'll see. You know, his last two weeks of the year looked pretty solid. He looks like, you know, and I, you know, last year, late last year, he really looked ready to become a really good player. We'll see if it's coming. You know, Rashad McCants, as said before, he needs to step up, absolutely needs to step up and prove himself as a big-time player. And, uh, you know, until then, he's going to be a sixth man. He's, that's all he is. He's just going to be a spark plug off the bench. He's not going to be a full-time starter for this team. And uh, Randy Whitman, good job. Good job with Rashad McCants. I think he's doing exactly the perfect thing you can do with Rashad. That's how you're going to get him. You need to make him earn his uh, his starting role. You know, he's still getting playing time, and he's still getting enough time to be a spark plug when he, you know, when he's making his shots. When he's not making his shots, well, sh- shoot, you're not going to be starting, buddy. Corey Brewer, of course, definitely needs to step up. We need to see more of that Florida Gator magic from Corey Brewer. Now, uh, he's probably not going to be – Florida, you know, he's not going to be as uh, big a factor on the Wolves as he was at the Gators anytime soon. But we got to see more of that explosiveness. We got to see that finishing, that sweet crossover he put on. Uh, I don't remember who it was, in, you know, when he was with Florida. You know, it's more of that sweet stuff. I just can't wait to watch that. Now, overall, was it a failed season? Sorta. Though the injury to Foy makes a tough grade, and it and it really does. We don't know what the Wolves' record would have been had Randy Foy been healthy. 
overall, it may have been a blessing because we're in position to get a top five pick. And in that range, you potentially can get another franchise-type player. You know, you don't want the seventh or eighth pick because you just don't know. You might get lucky and you might get, you know, you might get Rosho Nesterovich with the eighth overall pick. You know, the guy who's, uh, you know, an eighth man. Woohoo. You know, like a backup center or whatever. Woohoo. Another one of those. Like, we haven't had a million of those. And um, the needs, well, there's quite a few. You know, we need more star power. We need a good draft pick. We need a dynamic point guard. You know, I think we need that. Despite the fact Foy's getting better, I'm not sure he's a full point guard. I'm not really sure. And, of course, McCants is not a starting shooting guard. So, yeah. And Sebastian Telfer sure is hell ain't a dynamic point guard. He's a backup. So, yeah, we need a true dynamic point guard and a solid defensive center, a la Joel Prisbilla. A player like Joel Prisbilla at center would help. It would help a lot with Al Jefferson and just so many others. He would be a factor for this team. Um, I'm not saying necessarily go get Prisbilla. Because, A, I don't know if he's available or if, uh, you know, like if he'd come here or whatever and how much he's asking. Um, just don't know. But a player is similar to him. Now, the things to look for in the offseason, look for Foy and Brewer to improve. I think they will get better. I do. I absolutely think they will get better. Craig Smith, likely gone. I think Craig Smith is the odd man out of the forward position because Ryan Gomes is a starting forward right now. He is a really good player. I think Kirk Snyder. I think there's a good chance he's coming back, but certainly no guarantee because it's a it's a kind of a full roster, and you, you don't know who we're going to get. You don't know. We're, we might get Michael Beasley or something. I mean, it's Kirk Snyder's gone, baby. I mean, there's just no way. You keep Kirk Snyder if you get a Michael Beasley because you already got Corey Brewer playing in those similar kind of forward, forward-esque positions, forward, you know, Gomes and, and uh, Brewer. You can't keep everybody. So that's how that's headed. Um, I do think Gomes and Telfer will be signed. So, yes, I do think they will be signed. I also think that there is a possibility, Rashad McCants, or maybe even Randy Foy, depending on what happens. I think Rashad McCants, good chance, there's a, there's a chance there will be a trade, depending on who we get in the draft. Also, I do think the Wolves will likely shop Marco Yarich and Antoine Walker once again this summer. I think Yarich will be shopped again. Walker, there's a very good chance he's going to be shopped. There's also a possibility we hang on to him, um, you know, to absorb the uh, – the cap relief, the salary cap relief that is $9.3 million coming off the books. Yarich, I, hopefully somebody saw something in him this season that like, hey, you know, we wouldn't mind having him on our roster. Could you a backup point guard, you whatever, you know, whatever, small forward for somebody. He could be whatever he wants as long as he isn't here because, uh, you know, he's not that good. He's just not. So, Overall, we're going to see what happens with the Wolves, with the Wild, with the Vikings. It should be fun, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a great, great episode, number 10. I hope all of you have enjoyed it, and I wish all of you a great week. Don't forget to check out YouTube, Paladino Live on YouTube. Don't forget to check out my new Operation Wolf video on YouTube. That is a fun, fun video. I had a lot of fun. It took me about six, seven hours to make. It's pure comedy, but it's all, you know, it's also, if, if you like old school video games, uh, it's a Operation Wolf for the NES. Pretty much uh, just made a fun bit on it. Check it out, youtube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. youtube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. Subscribe. It is free. It is free. Get a YouTube account. If you don't have one, subscribe. Get on board. Uh, I'm going to make a lot of more fun videos. And don't forget about Video Game fa- fla- video game Flashback, which is these same videos, which is now available on iTunes. 
um, it is a video podcast on iTunes. Simply look up video game flashback. That might, that's pretty much becoming the name of these video games. It's not necessarily Paladino Live anymore. It, it is, but it isn't, you know. It's pretty much my audience is on Paladino Live on YouTube. So probably keep it that for now. We'll kind of call it, give it a subsidiary name later on. We'll, we'll see. You know, we'll kind of call it video game flashback on the side, I guess. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's interesting. Uh, don't forget, I have an email, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. Send a message. Opine. Tell me what you want. Uh, tell me what I should improve on, what I'm doing good, what I'm not doing good, uh, what the Vikings are doing good, whatever, you know, aren't doing good, Wolves, Wild, anybody. Talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk about the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I don't care. Talk about any sports team you want. I am more than more than cool about it. Um, uh, you know, I may need to do research here and there on certain teams, but I, I don't care. I'll do it. I enjoy it. But uh, definitely send anything you want, as long as it isn't uh, off topic, as long as it isn't completely just off the wall stuff like chain mail. I don't care about that. Don't send me chain mail, please. No offense to anybody that may have sent it, but uh, this is not a chain mail line. This is a show line. So um, let's talk some sports, politics, video games, stocks, whatever. You know, even talk about stocks, the stock market. Hey, I wouldn't mind getting into that because that's something I've enjoyed for a long time. So, again, I just wish all of you a good week. Uh, hopefully I'll have this show up again next week. We'll see what happens depending on my schedule. Take care, all of you, and we'll see you soon for episode number 11, as this was episode 10. Take care.